done, J.C. Bold. Well done. Hey, everybody, I'm Kyle Rosdahl. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. And I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. Today is one of those days where we do the news fix and make me smile and then let you all off on your merry way. So shall we begin? Go, Kai. We shall. You want me to go? All right, I'll go. Um, Two things, uh, uh, one sort of observational and one, uh, I guess, a little more substantive. Uh, And I'll start with the substantive. So uh, House Republicans are, as we know, going to have approximately 11 gajillion hearings into the Biden administration and and uh, its environs over the next two years. Uh, And that's all well and good because that's what happens when you get the majority, even though a lot of those hearings, as I think is universally accepted, are are uh, grounded in in baseless assertions of fact or non fact. One of the hearings they are going to have, though, and in fact, uh, the first of which kicked off yesterday, was a hearing into the departure from Afghanistan that the Biden administration engineered in August of uh, 2021, um, which uh, I recall watching on television over the course of a weekend. It was horrible. The, the aftermath has been terrible, as we know. And House Republicans are rightly going to hold the Biden administration accountable, and one hopes the Trump administration as well for its part in in setting the deadlines and negotiating the agreement that led to that pullout. Um, but I just I think everybody ought to read the article that we're going to put on the show page. It was in the Washington Post. The New York Times has had pieces. Follow these stories because these are real stories of human tragedy, of, of valor by American service people, and of a policy decision that. While perhaps not misguided, right, it was time for us to leave Afghanistan after 20 years. The execution of it was terrible, was terrible. Um, And, you know, we all heard the stories of the I think it was 13 American service members killed in that evacuation at Kabul airport um, and the the baseless uh, drone attack thereafter that The New York Times uncovered. Read these pieces, understand them, because it's the end of a war that went on too long um, that left um, uh, a lot of people really wondering what the hell happened. So that's that's item one for me. I would just encourage everybody to follow this story because it's a, it's a very, very real story. Uh, the second one is a story in Bloomberg. And I just, I noted because I noted this when I was in Washington a couple of weeks ago. So mm-hmm. the, the DC Bureau is at what, Kimberly, Connecticut and like M-ish? <laughs> I mean, if you want right? to send everybody there, uh, it's near well, DuPont you know, Circle. It, Let's say it, that. <laughs> near DuPont Circle. How about that? It's near DuPont Circle. Look, I mean, you know, our, our address in L.A. is a matter of public record and nobody shows up here. So anyway, um, uh, uh, anyway, um, the area around the bureau um, is uh, was uh, last time I was there. I don't want to say hopping. But it was kind of it was doing really well. It was it was sort of busyish at noontime. I went across the street to get a sandwich. It was there was a line. It was great. That's in stark contrast to a year and a half ago, the last time I was there, or fifteen months ago, the last time I was there, when downtown D.C. or the Dupont Circle area, anyway, was dead. It was terrible. It was sad. It was really, really just just empty, and it bummed me out because I really like Washington as a town, and of course, a lot of that emptiness is because the government, the federal government, has not uh, instituted formally a back-to-work policy. And so a lot of the people who work in and around the government and adjacent to the government aren't going back either. Um, Anyway, a story in uh, Bloomberg uh, 
coming out soon-ish. I think it's actually, it's, it's, um, it's um, dated March the 9th, which is not where we are yet, right? Check my calendar. Yes, oh, today is, is March the 9th. So sorry, we are yes. here. All right. So it is March the 9th, coming out March the 9th. Um, the headline is Washington suffers as federal employees work from home. Quiet streets in downtown D.C. have the city's Democratic mayor joining Republicans in a call to end teleworking. And I just thought that was interesting. I just thought that was interesting. Hmm. That's interesting because. That's what I said. Well, but there was already quite a bit of teleworking going on with federal workers before the pandemic. There are a lot of people who had like a mm -hmm. three days on, two days off, or two days on, two days off situation anyway. I suspect that the bigger issue is everybody else in Washington teleworking. Like I, there's a lobbyist who lives in my building who they've given up their office. And the other people in the oh. building with the DC Bureau, they are barely there. And these are businesses and offices that had people there for, you know, um, industry groups, for like political consultants, for lawyers that had people in the office every single day. And now they, it's a ghost town in there. And I suspect that it's probably less, I mean, I'm sure they did their research for this story, but a, a, what I have seen is a bigger shift in the sort of government adjacent telework. Um, uh, but to, okay. yeah, to emphasize your point, I was walking near the bureau, actually on my way back from dinner with some of our lovely colleagues, and I passed a sign and I took a photo of it and I can put it on the show page. And it's one of the parking garages near the office had a sign out that was offering hybrid parking products. And one of them is a wow. buddy pass, allows customers to share a permit with a colleague so they're not paying for more than they need. A 10-day wow. pass. This 10-day pass lets customers park any 10 days within the month, giving them the flexibility to park when and how they need to since people weren't buying the monthly passes anymore. And so hmm. even the parking garages are trying to find ways to hmm. adapt that's to the story, fact actually. that there are fewer people story. there. Yeah, that's why I took a picture that's of it. I was like, I should story. do a story yeah. on this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's so interesting. Well, huh. Oh, I'll, I'll give it to Marissa so she can put it on the show yeah. page. Yeah. But yeah. Huh. Anyway, yeah. there you go. So those are my news items. Yeah. Okay. Well, mine, um, because I like to throw in a little self-serving story every so often, uh, is another Washington <laughs> Post story, <laughs> which the headline is, Single Women Take an Outsized Role in the Workforce and the Economy. So all the single ladies mm. cue Beyonce in your head. Uh, a record 52% of women in the United States are unmarried, but a stubborn wage gap means they have less spending power and wealth. So you have, a. it says more women than ever are single, and it has a big implication for the economy because you have all of these single unmarried women who are more likely to buy houses, who are more likely than married women to be working, but, and, and so they could be, we could be having a bigger influence and a bigger effect on the economy, but the wage gap is preventing us from being more, I guess, of an economic stimulator. And so hmm. yet another reason <laughs> to address hmm. the gender wage gap. Um, but another line in this story that really boggled my mind was this, right? 
The majority of women in the United States, a record 52%, were unmarried in 2021, according to a report released Wednesday by Wells Fargo. The Census hmm. Bureau has been tracking Americans' marital status since at least 1900, when just 7% of surveyed women were single. Okay, wait. So say that again. 52%. The census, yeah. So 52% of women are single in 2021. In 1900, uh -huh. the Census Bureau of the women that were surveyed by the Census Bureau in 1900, just 7% yeah. of those women were single. Wow. That's a story. Which basically too. means that all of the adult women were married right. by right. the time right. that they were, right. Right. I guess, old enough to be census surveyed. And now most of us are not. <laughs> yeah. Huh. And there's been a 20% increase over the last decade in the number of women who have never married. Hmm. Anyway. Fascinating. It's, it's, it's a, a very that's actually interesting kind of wild. Piece. Yeah. It is, yeah. isn't it? Okay. Yeah. So totally. my other story is something that we have gotten so many letters and so many tweets and so many messages about, um, and it's another Bloomberg piece, and they've given a name to this this thing that has been happening, and they're calling it excuseflation. And the headline is how ex excuseflation is keeping prices and corporate profits high because basically they're starting to be business owners who are going on the record saying, yeah, whenever there's a big news story about bird flu or war in Ukraine or something that might you know, impact the supply chain, we just raise prices because we can, even if we don't need to. <laughs> and... Um, you know, yeah. companies are, as it says, a growing body of analysts and researchers see this pattern playing out across corporate America with companies using unusual disruptions as an excuse to raise prices for their goods and services, thereby allowing them to expand profit margins. <laughs> so it is yeah. happening. Because they can. It, because they can. Because they can. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, oh <laughs> Jay's like, I don't want to hear about this anymore. Yeah, we're <laughs> Moving going, on. We're going. All right. He was done. Uh, okay, so um, I, this is mine. Is my my make me smile is not so much a make me smile, ha ha. It's a make me smile, huh? Saw this in the Wall Street Journal today, and it and it kind of boggled my mind. Elon Musk That's reports the Wall Street photo. Journal. Is plan oh I know you got to see this photo we'll 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 put it up on the show page. <laughs> Elon Musk the headline says is planning a Texas utopia his own town. The entrepreneur is laying plans for a new community outside Austin next to Boring and SpaceX facilities. Boring is his tunneling company, dubbed Snailbrook. So I, I will okay. So number one, read the article. Number two, Elon Musk <sighs> is planning to build his own town on part of thousands of acres of newly purchased pasture and farmland outside the Texas capital, according to deeds and other land records and people familiar with the project. Good on the journal for um, digging into this. I will go just just one more sentence. In meetings with landowners and real estate agents, Mr. Musk and employees of his companies have described his vision as a sort of Texas utopia along the Colorado River, where his employees could live and work. Elon Musk is building a company town. And if you know anything about the working conditions at companies like Twitter and Tesla and the connotation of company town, none of that is good. It's cray cray. Are you kidding me? This is just wild. I mean, I mean, the look, I've said this before. I will say it again. If he does what he is 
planning and hoping and so far demonstrating he can do with SpaceX and Tesla, Elon Musk will change humanity. But oh my Lord. Oh my Lord. Hmm. Well, that's what I've got. Um, I just, I just can't, I just can't. You know, looking it's at these wild. plans and, and the, the layout, it reminds me of when Disney tried to make its own town. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't mm-hmm. go well, um, but obviously mm-hmm. this is different because these are workers. But um, hmm, that will be yeah. fascinating. Okay, well, Amazeballs. speaking of a throwback, since we're talking about company towns and yes. I guess a return to the olden days, there is a lovely article in Southern Living magazine about mending clothes and the headline is does anyone mend clothes anymore and it's funny i posted it on in in the random channel on slack today and so many people responded in the company and they're like i mend my clothes i've started darning i've started sewing i've got like a crochet kit and i was just like whoa and it this article caught my eye because this past weekend I was mending some of my clothes. I had a pair of pants that I really liked and it had a rip on the seam and I sewed that sucker up and I had a sweater where the little, um, I guess the knit of it was coming loose and I took my little hook that I usually use to do my hair actually and used it to kind of hook the little yarns back together in a very non-organized way, but it did the job. But this article is talking about how mending clothes used to be a sign that you couldn't afford new clothes, but now uh, it's kind of being embraced by millennials and Gen Z as a sustainability choice and something that you're doing as sort mm-hmm. of a backlash against fast fashion and this disposable culture. And, you know, take a tour around TikTok or Instagram and you'll find all these accounts of people mending clothes or having really cute little patterns of sewing to you know fix a buttonhole or how to darn a sock or something whatever mm-hmm. and it's like a thing now and i just thought that was super cool and it made me smile because it was random that i happened to be mending my clothes over the weekend and then i saw this clothes about millennials mending clothes so on brand <laughs> that's awesome very on brand very on yes. brand We are done, I do believe, for today. Back tomorrow for Economics on Tap, 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 out here on the West Coast. There are going to be drinks, news. We'll play a round of Half Full, Half Empty as well with Drew Jostad. Yes, and in the meantime, please keep sending us your thoughts, comments, questions. We take them all at 508-UB-SMART and at makemesmart at marketplace.org. Coming in early with the music, Jay. There you go. That's Jay. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's episode was engineered by Jay Seabold. Go ahead. Go ahead. Come on. Ask us how we knew it was Jay. Ask us how we knew it was Jay. You can tell <laughs> if you've been paying attention. Our intern is Antonio Barreras. Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter. Marissa Cabrera is our acting senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcast. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. 
This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.